You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. Welcome to another episode of the award-winning Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young, and we are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan. And we are here with a good friend, Vince Todd Jr. from the Heroes Foundation. Now, let's talk about the Heroes Foundation. Your doctor tells you you have cancer. What do you do? You know, one of the worst things, probably the worst thing you can hear. You know, very few of us can really imagine what it's like to have our world completely turned upside down like this. Even fewer would know the correct steps to take after such a diagnosis. Now, that was the predicament for our next guest, Vince, and his family when they faced this when he was diagnosed at just 26 years old. Not only do you have to deal with the physical effects of cancer and treatment, but there is also an emotional toll. What do you do? Like, what do you do? Now, Vince and his wife made it through that uncertainty and have made it their mission to help other cancer patients and their families navigate what it means to have cancer and the next steps they should take. Vince is a, a, well, I say Vince, Todd, whatever. We can call him Vince or Todd, right? Um, He's a a good friend of ours, also works uh, as as a partner in the Accessa organization. So we want to learn a little bit more about those brands. But thank you so much for joining us. Let's dive into the Heroes Foundation and uh, welcome to this episode of the Brand Builders Podcast. Brian Scott, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Vince, we finally make it happen. Good to see you, yes, buddy. Sir. And uh, see you. thanks for joining us. And man, Vince has a lot of layers. So we've got we've got a lot to talk about. He's a leader in his community, a leader in his family, leader at Heroes Foundation and and his family business, Accessa. Um, so with that said, uh, I'll let you talk a little bit about yourself, Vince. Uh, Tell us about the tides and and uh, what's going on these days. Well, we got a lot going on on the personal level. Um, you know, family of five. I have three daughters, uh, twins. They're freshmen in college right now, which is crazy to think about. That is crazy. Um, Scott met them when they were like literally six months old, roughly. Uh, yeah, now they're freshmen in college. So. Fortunately, we have not aged, <laughs> no. um, but they have. Uh, yeah, so I've got one's a freshman at Indiana University. The other one is a freshman at the University of Tennessee. Uh, and then their younger sister is a freshman in high school. So uh, life is uh, taking another change. Yes, it is. You're almost an empty nester, man. Almost. 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 It's, uh, it's, it's, it's cool and weird and all that at the same time. So I have to, before we dive into all of this, I'm a twin as well, and I have a twin brother, and we're best friends. We talk every day. We're very similar, Um, but when me and my wife got married, my wife's like, I would love to have twins, and I'm like, no, absolutely not. We do not (laughs) want twins. That is not a good idea, and she's like, why? It would be amazing. We'll just knock it out, you know, two kids at once, and I was like, hell no. So for you, what's it like being a, a parent to twins? I know what it's like to be a twin. I loved it. But what's it like to be a parent of twins? Yeah, you know, here, here, I would say this. Uh, we, so we had them on the front end, which is probably good. Yeah. Because if you had a, you know, let's say a three-year-old and then a set of twins, which of course there's plenty of people who've had that, like certainly be more challenging. Um, so, I mean, you just, you, you just deal with it. You, you figure it out. Um, I've got a friend who had triplets that, you know, you've got two arms. So theoretically, uh, yeah. you do this very often. <laughs> you can put a baby in each arm. You add the third and, it, and you're out, man. So it's... Uh, you know, it's again, it's a challenge, but it's it's just all part of it. it are they cool. are they are they the same? Are they different? Like how how are the actual twins? They they are very different. I mean, you, if you look at them, you can see for sure that uh, they are related, but they are very different personalities. Uh, one of them has some developmental challenges, um, so that 
added to some of those differences. But uh, yeah, di- very different people for sure. What was it like for them to split and go to different colleges? Because me and my twin brother, that was the first time in our entire lives that we literally split. My brother went to University of Kentucky. I went down and played soccer at Georgia Southern. And it was like, it was, it was just weird, right? Like I could walk into a room and people wouldn't be calling me Kevin. And I just didn't even right. know what to do. Like, <laughs> I was like, damn, I got to like really make a name for myself because people aren't like, oh, they're the twins. Like everybody knew who we were in high school. Right. It was so easy. Yeah, I'm twins in college. are popular. For people sure. are like, who the hell is this guy? Unless that person was pissed at Brian. They're like, no, 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 I'm Kevin. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it worked. It worked a lot. I'm like, no, nah, that wasn't me. Isn't there like a TV show on that actually? Where I'm they, sure. Where they flip it up and. You know, portray yeah, so the one another. No, that's that's the Netflix show that's on yeah, right now yeah. where these two women yeah. that are twins, they flip lives every like two years. And yeah. uh, and that's all I'm going to say about that's that. Nuts. That is weird as hell. That's so nuts. let's dive back into the Heroes Foundation. We just <laughs> yeah. went off on a different there tangent. Yeah, we did. But tell us about, you know, your journey, um, you know, being diagnosed at such a young age, you know, hearing that and, and obviously, you know, beating that and, and living to, to not only, you know, be there for your family, but now you are going out and helping others. And I want to learn about that journey. Tell us about what it was like, not only being diagnosed, but going through that and now how you're starting to support others through the Heroes Foundation uh, and, and all the great work that you do there. Yeah, well, I think, you know, the, the kind of obvious statement is anytime someone hears the words you have cancer, um, it's a shock, to say the least. Um, now, how people react to that uh, it differs. You know, everyone's different. Um, how they ultimately uh, deal with it, um, and and you know, fast forward into what we do today, when we talk to different people who are sharing their cancer stories, you know, how they share that and whether they even want to share that is, is you know, is, is varies quite a bit. So some people wear their stories and their emotions on their sleeve, and some people are very guarded, and that's you know, that's okay um, to each their own. Um, for me. I, I'm a pretty competitive individual, um, somewhat react out of emotion, which on both sides can be good and bad. Um, so for me, when I heard it, uh, yeah, for sure, shock at 26, um, never, ever really smoked a day in my life, uh, you know, didn't really have too many vices, uh, stayed in shape, worked out a lot. You, you just didn't, at 26, you don't think that this is going to happen, right? Um I think getting over that initial shock, the reaction was not a, a why me per se, that's in terms of like, you know, kind of feeling sorry for yourself, but almost a why me, like, why is this happening? This is bullshit. I want to do something about this. And I guess, I think it was a few months into a seven month treatment protocol. And I received Lance Armstrong's first book. It's not about the bike from a couple different sources. And, um, one of the few books I've read cover to cover, but, uh, <laughs> fun fact that there was something about that book that, and, and Lance, you know, obviously being super hyper competitive and all that, that kind of inspired us to say, look, you know, there's, there's a ton of money going into research and, and rightly so, but what happens to, um, those folks and in his case, but in particular, the young adults. So I kind of fit in that, that age group at the time, um, who are helping them get through the whole process. Because if you've ever been through a major illness, whether it's cancer or anything else, like the amount of paperwork you start getting from the hospital, the insurance companies, and they're eight pages long and no one can understand them other than an attorney, it's it's mind-boggling the crap you have to, to kind of get through. And so it's just it's an entire process. It's a journey that the, the patient, but then also the, their friends and family around them have to go through. And so it, it, it occurred to us um, 
that we wanted to do something. We want we liked his idea of trying to do something about um, helping people deal with the process. So that's support programs or what they call navigation programs now, which has come, become commonplace. It wasn't so much uh, 22 years ago. Um, that really kind of fueled that fire that was already burning. That was kind of you know my competitiveness in me that was that was ticked off and wanted to do something. So. I guess long story short, we just, I turned to my wife and said, Hey, you know, let's, let's do something. Let's, let's raise some money. And it's not an uncommon act when people are faced with a situation like this. They said, Hey, what can we do about that? How, how can we turn this into a positive somehow? Um, so we did like a lot of other people, we'd had a, had a fundraiser and originally it went from a party that was going to just be at my parents' house, you know, friends and family to the guest list getting to a point where it looked like a wedding. And my mom was like, you're not having that thing at this, at my house. <laughs> and uh, our initial goal was to raise 10 grand. And we, so we had a, had a party in February, I think it was literally a couple of weeks after I finished my last chemo treatment. And uh, we, it was like two or three in the morning. Parents had all gone home about midnight ish. So the, the 20 somethings were still there. So it was kind of like a turnip. It's basically, basically a glorified kager. And most of the people are fairly well um, uh, marinated in whatever they were drinking that night, other than myself. And we're sitting there, and one of the guys next to me goes, I think we raised almost $45,000. Wow. And I was like, dude, you're drunk. Let, let's wow. come back tomorrow. We'll talk about it and figure it out. But sure enough, so we came back the next day, and we were like 43 and a half grand. And I was like, wow, you know, for a bunch of kids who've never put on an event, really didn't know what the hell we were doing. Uh, by today's standards, for sure, uh, it, was, it was it was pretty fun. It was pretty impressive, and and it, it just kind of snowballed from there. And uh, you know, not to to shorten the story, but you know, you fast forward twenty two years. That was so that was in February ish of '01. Uh, here we are, you know, the latter half of twenty two, still going strong. We do five annual events. Um, it is a I like to call it the. Some people agree, some people disagree. It's a business. And we try to run it as such. And, um, you know, we have just as lofty goals 22 years later as we did back in 01. Um, in my opinion, I think I shared this with Scott either yesterday or, or previously, that I still feel that there isn't a single aspect of the Heroes Foundation that has reached its full potential yet. Um, the tough part over the first, call it 20 years, though, has been how do you how do we make this thing successful and realize all the potential I think it has while also having a full-time day job. Mm -hmm. um, so that kind of stymied some of our growth. Uh, but we've, we've gotten to a point now where the first 20 was kind of getting the snowball rolling. You know, I, I realizing we have our own identity, realizing it's a legitimate organization and not to sound old now, but like the next 20 are all about how does this thing live on beyond all of us? And so those are some of the things that fuel our strategic plan at this point is how do we realize that potential? How do we get there? And how does this thing live on between, beyond everyone sitting at the board table today? I guess that's called drive, right? Like we, we talk a lot about it. It's like, man, you know, it's been a lot of years, but I still feel like we're just getting started. You know, we, yeah. we've covered a lot of ground. Um, but, I call ourselves a 20-year-old startup. Yeah, but there's so much more uh, to achieve. And so I, I totally get that thought process. Yeah. Um, well, you know, you talk about brand. I know that's a kind of a cornerstone of, of this podcast. And um, if you guys, you guys do a lot of the promo stuff for heroes. And as you've probably seen, and I've, I've certainly had other people notice this and, and have talked about it on occasion, 
We, we do more than the average nonprofit our size from a marketing standpoint, a branding standpoint for a couple of reasons. One, I'm just a brand guy. I, I think the brand of your organization, whether it's for-profit, not-for-profit, whatever, um, means, and I think you guys had this in, in one of your write-ups, I mean, it, it's, it's beyond just the mission statement of your marketing or the product or service you're, you're providing. It's, it's who you are. It's who you're identifying as, and it helps to tell your story. Um, so we do probably more marketing and branding than a, the average not-for-profit our size um, for, for that purpose because we're an, an event-driven uh, from a revenue standpoint, uh, organization. So that recognition of who we are and what events we put on is, is key. Um, let's face it, you know, there, there are people, it sounds weird, but there are people who pass away every day and that's part of their, um, living wills or the part of their, just their general wills and, uh, and wills in general, I guess. Um, they give certain proceeds of their estates to, to not-for-profits. And if they don't know who the hell you are, how would you ever expect to potentially, uh, benefit from one of those gifts. That's right. Um, so that's that's another aspect. Sounds weird, and and it's a whole different topic of conversation, but it's true. Um, so there's there's just a lot of things that we put into that. I I I'm very adamant about what our brand represents. Just going even getting down to the logo. Um, you guys have seen it. It's the little people say oh, those little three triangles, the three little mountains. We call them the three summits. They stand for basically the, if you will the three pillars of the organization, which is research support and prevention and and it helps us tell that story of who we are and what we're doing it's genius well you know it also generates those conversations in the grocery store line or at the gas yeah. pump or whatever tell yeah. me about heroes foundation or or whatever and it gives folks that support your organization an opportunity to have a conversation with a stranger about the organization where otherwise that conversation probably would have never come up and Agreed, that's just 100%. one example. There's thousands of well, there's examples. There's been several like that. examples of yeah. that that you just mentioned. And I'll give you one that, yeah. that's kind of cool. Um, it wasn't me. A, a kid was wearing, a son of one of my buddies was wearing one of the hats that you guys did and had the little, you know, the Summits logo in the, the little left hand corner, I think it is. And he was at a golf demo, and Davis Love was, was the pro there putting on this demo. Love it. And so Davis is done with the, demo and he's coming along and he's signing autographs and saying hello and he sees this kid's hat and he goes that's a cool hat you know what what does that logo mean what is that and my buddy was standing behind his son and proceeds to tell him the story because my buddy knew enough of the story to tell and it was cool well long story short i i figured out how to find someone who had a connection to davis's team and sent them a couple hats don't know if i ever made it to him Fantastic. or not but case in point it doesn't say heroes foundation it just has the logo but it was inspiring enough and cool enough to him for him to say hey he's probably seen you know eight bazillion hats oh, out yeah. there hey what is that you know he's a charlatan you know well, i knew he you know we know I knew him. he lived down there somewhere <laughs> yeah. you know we know davis we could have made that intro <laughs> yeah well, you know, no he kidding. did well, he spoke at our breakfast club that yeah. guy's salt of the earth yeah and uh, what a great, like, if you know, that's thank you for backing up my statement because that, that's exactly what happens. And God knows who knows where it might lead. You never know. Right. You never yeah. know who it is or what conversation might get started. Um, 
But it's also nice to have product to give back to participants of your event, uh, give back to your community or a donor or a sponsor or any of that just as a gift. Thank you. You know, um, and all of that is part of your your marketing strategy or, or whatever it may be. And, um, you know, that builds donations <laughs> that builds yeah, you revenue. Gotta, you got to spread awareness. That's I mean, right. How, how else am I going to find out about you? Well, and guess what? You know, I don't know how many nonprofits there are here in Charlotte, but I, they're probably thousands, right? There's, yeah. a, there's a philanthropic, like there's people have big hearts and want to do a lot of good. Um, so, you know, there's X amount of people to donate. Um, right. How do you become that? You know, how, right. do, how do you become the organization? And, you know, marketing's part of it. So, right. Yeah. There's a lot of competition out there for sure. That's right. So Vince, I want to jump into this and, um, you know, we work locally with an organization called the 24 foundation as well. Um, their, their mission is cancer navigation and survivorship, um, similar, you know, to the heroes foundation, um, both of you doing amazing work. And, you know, in the last two months I've had, uh, my father be diagnosed with cancer. I've had one of my best friends, his fiance, 27 years old, or actually 30 years old or 29. I don't know. Um, just got diagnosed with a very, very, too young, very bad bad cancer. Um, and it doesn't look great, but you know, I immediately knew through the 24 foundation that I, I, I had to get some people in play and I just kind of use those connections, um, to set up a path for, for success. And, you know, in this scenario, when people are listening to this, everybody's been affected by cancer, whether personally in your family, you have friends. And I think there's a lot of people that get diagnosed with cancer and they don't have anybody to go to. So what I mean by that is when people are listening to this podcast and something like this happens, how can they get in touch with the Heroes Foundation? And what are you guys doing right then to set them up for really the research, the support and and, and the prevention of this? Um, you know, it's crazy. I remember when my dad told me and, and, and my dad's going to be fine. He has prostate cancer. He's going to be fine. He has surgery in about a week, but it's still something you never want to hear, right? Like you don't want to hear that your father has cancer. But it's also something that I thought I, I would eventually hear um, because all my grandparents had it and, and passed away. So it's something that we're going to deal with as we grow. But having an organization like the Heroes Foundation, to me, just gives me kind of that feeling like there are people there that will support us. There's people like Vince that have gone through this. There's people that have beaten this. And now with your organization and what you've been able to do for 20 years, you give people hope. And I think that's the number one thing people need when they hear that. Uh, along with a lot of information. So I'm going to stop talking and let you go here. But what happens if if people do find this out? How can they get in touch with you? And, and how does the Heroes Foundation help them? Sure. Well, let me first say, you know, um, shout out to your pops and your friend's wife on uh, their diagnosis. I hope everything goes well. Uh, we'll be thinking about them along with, uh, all, like, like you said, all the others who unfortunately get diagnosed because everybody knows someone. I know you guys have been to a lot of events like we've done and uh, it, it, it never ceases to amaze me when someone's up there speaking and says, okay, everyone either raise your hand or stand up if you've ever been affected by cancer. And if there's a thousand people in the room, if 995 aren't standing up, I'd be shocked Yep, because we all know somebody who has, um, as I like to say, cancer is the ultimate non-discriminatory disease. I mean, it's, I respect it for that, which sounds weird. I know, but it, it doesn't care about your age, race, gender, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, so I guess to answer your question, uh, you can go to heroesfoundation.org to get information. Um, we are not necessarily a, a, a center for um, 
directly supporting individuals. Um, we will, we certainly get a lot of inquiries. I mean, I've, I've you, spent, you mentioned the 24 foundation, know them well, I've actually t- talked to Katie uh, recently. Um, we all get those emails and phone calls um, that cover the gamut. And then we'll, our, our goal then of course, is to try to find them the proper resource to help them specifically, you know, one-on-one. Um, but what we do in those three areas are, are a couple of things. So research, again, we'd mentioned before, takes billions of dollars. Well, we don't have billions of dollars. I wish we did, but we don't. So when we were initially looking at this, we had, you know, maybe 10 grand or 25 grand or 50 grand. And we said, okay, how, you know, in the world of research, that's, that's a drop in the bucket. What can we actually, what difference can we make with that amount of money? And the, the immediate feedback we got was actually a lot. And I'm like, okay, I mean, 10 grand, that's nothing. Educate me on how, how we can make an impact with that. And they said, well, Dr. So-and-so has a hunch about something. They can't just go snap their fingers and make a $2 million federal grant appear. They've got to prove a whole bunch of shit out before they get any, any chance at those, those, those larger dollars. So in order to do that, they need to buy lab time or they need to buy supplies. They need to, um, they need personnel to assist them. That's where that 10, 25, 50, even a hundred grand can make a huge difference. Maybe they need to buy a piece of equipment. So a lot of the funding that we've done on the research side, you could almost think of it um, in the for-profit world. It's like kind of like angel investing where we're startup investors in this, this hunch with the whole goal that this, this hunch proves itself out at this, you know, entry level stage. And then they can go on to get that $2 million grant to take it the next step further. And we've had several um, projects that we've start provided some up, you know, some initial funding to, and they've gone on to get much larger grants because they've been able to prove some stuff out. And that's pretty rewarding to see. It's very cool. Um, on the support side, it started out with back in 01 when I was going through uh, my treatment, um, at least to here at the, the IU Simon Cancer Center, um, they were just starting this program to provide support services to the patient. So yeah, you're there to get your chemo, your radiation, your medicinal treatment, but what about all the other factors that are involved, um, helping you cope with the situation. So they wanted to put this program together. This is back before like navigation centers really became a thing, but they want to provide art therapy, music therapy, psychosocial services, a dietitian, things like that, because, you know, all those things combined, whether you, whether you want to utilize one or two of those services or the whole uh, menu of them, can make a really big impact on your overall wellness going through this process. And while there were certain aspects that that just wasn't for me, just the offering of that program I thought was was phenomenal. And at the time, it was a pet project of my physician and another, another physician. It wasn't getting any funding from the university or the, the cancer center itself because they were still trying to prove out, does it make sense to have this? And so when we decided to get rolling here, we said, yes, we want to help fund that because we think there is a great need for that. And I think here we are, you know, 20 years later, and about every major cancer center has some version of that today, which I think is great to see. Um, and then on the prevention side, our, our, our last summit is really kind of going out there and just educating the public. You know, we can't completely control whether or not we get diagnosed with cancer, right? I mean, sometimes it just, it just happens. We win the lottery we never wanted to win. But there are certain things we can do with our lives to try to at least minimize those chances. Whether it's you're spending a lot of time outdoors, you're wearing sunscreen, um, you're trying to keep yourself relatively physically fit, 
You're trying to watch what you put in your bodies, things of that nature, you know, certain habits that we have. Um, just re-educating the public because it's, it's just a never-ending cycle of education and, and you just do what you can, we can to make sure people are aware of, hey, we're not going to tell you what you should or shouldn't do, but we're going to promote it. And it's obviously, it's ultimately up to you, but here are some things that, that you can do or some things you maybe shouldn't do if you want to potentially improve your, your chances of, of not being diagnosed with certain types of cancers. Yeah. And by the way, your podcast, we, we, uh, we talked about this a little bit yesterday as well is is just full of, uh, doctors and, and folks who have been through cancer and a lot of those conversations that I think are extremely educational because I, th I think just the common public, if you hadn't personally gone through it yourself, there's a lot of unknowns, right? So the resources you provide there, I think, can offer some comfort, some guidance, some direction. Uh, your website's very well put together, and um, I would suggest visiting. Uh, what is it? I don't have it in front of me. Um, yeah, heroes, HeroesFoundation.org. Foundation.org. Yeah. So, I, to yeah. your point, I think you're right. the The stories that we're telling hit all the little buzzwords that you just mentioned. In addition to it, also potentially being therapeutic for the guest. Correct. To know you're not alone. That. Yeah. yeah. I mean, hundred percent. Um, and man, congratulations and thank you for the work you guys have done. Uh, you could have easily just gone the other way and, it, you know, not, not had the passion or drive to, to help others, but just, you know, make sure yourself was okay and move on, which is fine too, but you, right. you've done the opposite and helped a ton of people along the way. So uh, well, we couldn't have done it without folks like yourselves who, who continue to support us and, and provide us great products and whatnot. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, it's not been it's not been super easy. There are certain nights where you're laying in bed like, holy crap, what uh, we got ourselves into. Man, there's nothing easy but, about that. There's nothing <laughs> easy about that. And that's why I say most people probably just, okay, you know, I've dealt with it and I'm moving on. And and that's okay, yep. too, uh, right. to each their own, as you mentioned earlier. Yep. Um, let's dive a little bit into... Your, your business, Accessa mm -hmm. Coatings and Solutions. Um, your father started the company, correct? Well, he, he bought it. He bought um, it, that's it, right. It, it, was, it was a division of a larger distribution company, and he ended up purchasing this, this unit or this division, if you will, uh, from that company. That's right. That was back in, oh, God, I should know this, back in the late 90s. So it, I want to say 99. Um, and then I came in in 2000, January of 2002. So he had, um, he was bringing on a new product line and approached me and said, Hey, would you like to, to come in and start managing this new product line? And I can, I can, I can guarantee you one thing, hundred um, percent. Did I ever think I was going into to get into the industrial chemicals and coatings field, that would be a no. <laughs> um, but I, I will tell you this, and I so I, I talked to a lot of okay, I can't believe I'm saying this kids, kids today who are maybe still junior senior in college or they just get out and maybe their you know their their parents have a business, there's a family business or a couple of them whatever, and you know they're 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 wondering whether they should should go down that path, and I'm not look my my opinion is only my opinion. This is not right or wrong, but I typically will tell them, Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. But what I would do is 
do two things. Either go do something else completely separate from that and see if it excites you or I, I guarantee you within that first year, you'll know, yeah, I really like this or man, no, I'm, I'm still, I'm still being pulled back to, to what my parents do. Um, or go do something in a similar field, but go do it for somebody else. Right. And cut your teeth on them. Cause let's face it at 22 to 25, we all made a lot of dumb mistakes. At least I did. Yeah. Um, and you start to learn what you like, what you dislike, what you're good at, what you're not good at, et cetera. And then, and then at that point, if, if you still have interest, then come back and jump in. Um, one thing for me was the industry and the prod is almost irrelevant. When, when I was in high school, my mom had some frozen yogurt stores. And so like a lot of high school kids that worked in, you know, fast food, basically serving frozen yogurt. It was different. Like, I, I mean, I was a dumb high school kid, like a lot of us and a lot of my friends worked with us. But when, even though it was my mom's business, it still kind of indirectly had my name on the door. And so I wasn't that typical dumb high school kid doing stupid shit I shouldn't have been doing. I actually put a little more care and effort into the job than I would have if I was maybe working for some other random frozen yogurt stand. So I think the same thing applied here with, with excessive was when I, when I first came in, I was like, you know, I, I like this. I want to be, you know, I was working sort of in the, the tech world and I was putting a shit ton of hours before I was diagnosed and don't get me wrong. I love the company I was at, love the owner because he, we were, we were seeing phenomenal growth over the three years I was there. But there was also part of me saying, man, I'm working my ass off and like, yeah, I'm being rewarded, but I'm not being rewarded. You know what I mean? Um, this way with the family business, I, I have direct, um, not direct control, but more control over the direction of the company. I'm going to get more directly rewarded for the progress and um, things that we're doing. So that's just kind of what attracted me. And I'm, I'm, I'm a builder. Um, I, I, I certainly have enough self-awareness to know what I'm not, not good at. And I have no problem at, you know, almost 50 years old telling people, you know, I can read a financial statement, but you sure as hell don't want me to put them together because that's just yeah. not my thing. <laughs> um, I'm more sales and marketing minded. And that's just, that's just the way it is. I'm, I'm, I'm a grower. Um, I don't, I'm not, let's put it this way. I'm not easily pleased or easily satisfied. You know, there, there are two quotes. I actually just texted someone this before I came, came into the studio today. Two quotes that stand out to me from a long time ago, football playing days. I'd have a football coach like a lot are you know, super into giving quotations to try to, you know, inspire the players. And there are two things that stood out. One was um, winners do things losers hate to do. And I use that all the time. And certain people around me probably roll their eyes when they hear me say that now because I use it too, too much. Uh, but also that just that simple concept of, of never satisfied. I'm never satisfied. And again, that's one of those things with the hyper competitiveness that can be good. It can also be negative. Um, but that's, that's what attracted me to coming into family biz was just that drive to grow things, um, to be able to have control or more control to grow them. Um, and I think then, um, a couple of years after I came into the company, uh, my brother joined us in 05. And, um, from that point forward, we just, we just grabbed the reins and, and ran with it. So our, our father was still certainly in the business. He didn't retire till about, I don't know, five to seven recently. years ago. Yeah. Uh, maybe yeah, about five years ago. Um, so I would say give or take since Oh five, Oh six, we were kind of running the day to day operations because our father's phenomenal salesperson. Um, 
didn't really want to manage per se. I mean, he could, but it, that wasn't really what, something he enjoyed to do. He didn't like get into minutiae of stuff. He, he liked to be out there selling. I mean, you, you know, my dad's, oh, guy. Yeah. he's, he's <laughs> the quintessential type a, Oh yeah. and he walks in a room of 50 people and he's going to walk out with 48 friends and two enemies, but he'll met everyone and gotten <laughs> everyone and it's good. Yeah. Um, so we've been running the day to day since then. I mean, we, we went through the, the great recession. I mean, that, if that isn't an MBA by experience, I don't know what is, um, like a lot of businesses, we, we got slammed. I mean, we dropped 40% probably, uh, which was not fun and you had to make some really tough decisions. Um, but we came out of it stronger and we have a, a very, um, focused vision, um, and, and things have, have, have just gone upwards from there and we, and we expand. Like I, again, I'm not, that never satisfied piece. So my brother and I are like yin and yang. I'm more sales marketing. He's more accounting finance. Um, I'm really more pushing the envelope. He's trying to rein me back in a little bit. So it, it's good. it actually works That's out perfect. pretty well. I mean, yeah. It's, yeah. Does it cause some arguments? Sure. I mean, we're brothers what brothers don't argue, <laughs> but it, it, it's probably a good balance. And so, uh, yeah, I, Looking back, I, I try not to look back, but um, it's it's been a good ride so far, and that's we're not a, done. That's a real good balance. You guys are fortunate to have that scenario going on, and and Vince Senior is the same, right? Like just to have the ability for his two sons to come in and and keep that machine running. Tell us exactly. I know what you all do, but sure. but tell our audience what Accessa Coatings and Solutions uh, offers. Yeah, so we really have three primary uh, business units, if you will. One is coatings, distribution, so paints. It's all for industrial, so we don't sell house paint. Uh, so we're selling uh, coatings for uh, wood applications, so kitchen cabinets, furniture. Uh, we sell coatings for different types of metals, so the, the, the proverbial widget made of steel or aluminum or whatever for uh, automotive or aerospace or agriculture or just general industrial um, coatings for plastics, believe it or not, some plastics get painted. Um, and then, uh, you've got the chemicals side, which is the side that is cleaning metal before you can paint any metal. You've got to clean it. It's got to have any oils or dirt that's on it from the, the manufacturing, the processing of that metal has to be cleaned off before you can paint it. Um, in many cases, it it also gets pre-treated. So people have seen those car frames that go down those dunk tanks and are brought back out. That's not just a cleaner that's in there. It's also imparting um, chemistry changes and there's iron phosphate, zinc phosphates, and now phosphate free stuff, which that's getting way too specific for this podcast. But uh, it's a, it's a, a corrosion inhibiting uh, chemical layer on the metal itself to help with uh, the corrosion protection of the, of the car. So in the seventies or eighties, for those of us who are old enough to remember but that car gets scratched through the paint, you got that rusted out section. Well, today that doesn't necessarily happen for cars that still have metal on them. Um, but because <laughs> of that corrosion protection, um, so then they go on to get painted. So we do a lot of those, uh, those cleaners and chemicals. Um, and then we have a, an equipment division, which was one of my, uh, uh, too much time on my hands during the pandemic, sitting at home, not being able to go talk to customers because everyone's sitting at home and I said, you know what, why don't we, why don't we do equipment too? So we started the the third unit, um, assess equipment solutions, um, I guess two years ago and, uh, are rolling with that and, uh, expanding. We're pr predominantly based in the Midwest. We're based out of Indianapolis, but we've got, uh, seven locations, um, throughout the Midwest and, uh, continue to expand. Absolutely. That's awesome. So awesome. are your, uh, are your daughters going to join the family biz or are you sending them on their way? 
after that college? That's a great question. That is that is a question that unfortunately I cannot answer at this point. Well, in time. they have to go know. get experience right. elsewhere. They got to go. That's they right. got to fly away. If they fly they, back, fantastic. They, they got to understand what is what is really like. You know, I I, I think that's great for anybody. I remember yes. growing up, I was like, I'm going to work for my dad. My mom was like, None of you were working. For <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, over here going, Wait, what? <laughs> and then it was like. Go figure it out. You know, and it was great because you, you just, I mean, it was good. It was, it. it was great for me. It is for sure. And, and family business is tough. I've, I've been there as well. Um, there, it's not, it's not an easy cakewalk by no means. Um, and, and look, you're, even though you're family, you still have different opinions and different ways you want to do things. Just like you described the way you and your brother operate, which by the way, he should have been on this podcast as well. Well, you guys can do an episode with him. We'll compare his answers to mine. And we'll there. dive into the numbers. Yeah. I love it. I think, you know, the other thing interesting is as you, as you grow and expand like any other company, um, it gets more complex, right? So it's not just, okay, Joe and I are not just the only ones making decisions. And we have a management team now of six that, you know, all, all have their opinions and, and chime in on, on different things, the different areas that they're responsible for. And, you know, as we continue to want to grow and expand, whether that be organically or through acquisition, it just gets it gets more complex, and we're only as good as our entire team. And um, that's that's you know I guess true for anybody, whether you have five employees or fifty. But uh, it's it certainly rings true that the more you uh, the more you grow and expand, and the more complicated things can get. Absolutely, gotta love it. Well, hey, what uh you know with with people that are listening to this right now, getting them in touch with the Heroes Foundation, getting them in touch with Accessa. What's the ba- best way for both of those brands that you represent for people to reach out? Well, in this digital age, let's say it's it's, it's the website. Clearly, it's the heroesfoundation.org or Accessa, A C C E as in Edward S S A dot com. Uh, those are probably the best ways to uh, learn more about us. Hey, I apologize. The uh... The Levine Cancer Institute is our neighbor, uh, which is also attached to the Atrium Hospital here, which is our largest employer in Charlotte and largest in, in the healthcare system, largest hospital. We just heard the uh, the the helicopter come in, so I apologize. Yeah. No, you're fine. <laughs> Got a little loud there, but uh, <laughs> we but get yeah. we get a daily uh, dose of reality. Yeah, so when that comes over, it's like. You just something something's not good. It's another you know? reminder to right. count those blessings, man. Absolutely. Well, do they have do they have a pediatric unit there? I assume they, they do. do. There, there's actually Levine and Children's, Children's Hospital. Hospital that's that's oh, okay. pretty world renowned. Let's do actually. this. Let's do yeah. this. Let's do a collaboration between the Dunstan Group, Heroes Foundation, and Twenty Four Foundation. The next time I get down there, let's get we'll get Katie involved too, and the four of us, or however many want to go, we'll do a Lego gift to the inpatient pediatric oncology patients there. Oh, that'd be, that'd be awesome. awesome. Let's That'd be that. awesome. My um, my son has been in Levine a lot. Actually, will have cancer on uh, cancer. I, God, I hope he never yeah. has cancer. He will have surgery. God, please do not <laughs> give me that. He will have surgery on October fifth. Uh, but they've been amazing. Um, he's had to have multiple overnight stays over his two years. Um, but they're the people over at the Children's Hospital are unbelievable. They are. I mean, they really are. It, it's a, it's the best place that you never want to go. You know, yeah. Greg Olson said right. that. And, um, but you know, if you have to be there, you know, you're in good hands and that's also for the cancer Institute and really everybody we're blessed mm-hmm. in Charlotte to have that. I know you in Indiana, I'd mentioned the, uh, the organizations and the places that you worked with, but you know, anybody in the healthcare field, especially now and what they've had to go through the last couple of years, like they all deserve a hug and probably a beach vacation. Definitely a set of Legos. 
That would be cool. That would be awesome. Yep, agreed. That'd be so cool. Well, yeah, Vince, let's do it. Let's you are it awesome, man. Thank you so much. Um, you're an inspiration for people that you know get diagnosed, and really what you've been able to do um, after that to help other families is awesome. It's cool to see you know you not only take over the family business but grow that as well. I know your father was super proud of or is super proud of you about that, and uh, it's been awesome, man. I we we love bringing on friends. We love bringing on people that do great things, and and you're all of that. So uh, really appreciate you joining us. Well, yes, thanks sir. for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Excellent. Thank you. That wraps it up. Uh, like we always say, like, share, comment. Go check out the Heroes Foundation. Go check out Accessa. We'll have all those links uh, below. And uh, until next time, you have been listening to this episode of the Brand Builders Podcast. You've been listening to the Brand Builders Podcast, brought to you by the Dunstan Group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com.